0: You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network.
1: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's
0: And featuring Keaton Derosier.
1: It's a grand slam! I'm telling you, it's time to party!
0: Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton Derosier of Over the Monster for episode 256 of the show. Keaton, welcome back for another episode. How are you doing, man? Great. Doing Great. Yeah, do you have a nice bevy in front of you right now as we're about to record? Uh, just water. Same, same. Just yeah, water t- in a Wahoo's fish tacos cup. Nice. Yeah, you, you, uh, you got to stay hydrated, so that's important. Uh, I'm drinking out of a Red Sox tumbler right now, so, you know, appropriate for the podcast. But we're not here to talk hydration. We're here to talk Red Sox, and the Red Sox right now... Uh, As we are currently recording, are playing uh, against the the Minnesota Twins at Target Field. Uh, It was not very full last time I was looking at the stands there. Um, But it looks like a nice field anyhow. Have you ever gotten out there? I know you're a Midwestern guy. Have you ever been to a game at Target? I haven't.
1: I haven't. Um, I think we actually had plans to go because uh, my girlfriend is from a suburb of minneapolis so we go back there quite often um, You should definitely go but something happened and we weren't able to make it i don't remember what it was but we did have plans to go to a game one time it just didn't work
0: okay well I, i'm i'm interested to hear the scouting report i've always wanted to go there since it opened up it looks like a, a nice little park but Anyhow, Red Sox have 34 games left, including the one that is currently being played as we record this. So as you listen to it, they'll have 33 games left. And uh, they are pretty much eliminated from the, the playoffs. We, we were talking about uh, the playoff contention last week for the Red Sox and their numbers were you know, pretty low back then under 10%, but now Fangraphs has them at 2.8% to make the playoffs and Baseball Reference has them at 0.6% to make the postseason. So effectively, uh, the Red Sox have been eliminated. And as a result of this, and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe just finally, uh, the higher ups over at uh, Baseball Ops and Bloom and Crew wanting to make some moves. uh, They have Finally, DFA'd a couple of people from the bullpen. Uh, Hirokazu Sawamura and Austin Davis are no longer on this roster. Uh, They finally did promote Zach Kelly, which is a great thing. They also promoted Caleb Ort. Um, First of all, Keaton, what do you think about the promotion of Zach Kelly? This is something we've been clamoring for for a long time.
1: Yeah, um, it feels um, overdue. I think you and I have been, you know, for the past few pods have been talking about him and Bizardo and Frank German as some guys we'd like to see at the major league level to see what they can do and see what basically kind of uh, petition for their role on the, the 2023 team and what they could potentially do. So uh, it's nice to see one of those guys finally get up here uh, because for... Pretty much the whole season, uh, what the middle relief uh, at the major league level was doing was pretty crappy. Um, So we kept looking for there had to be options somewhere, uh, anywhere out there in the universe. Uh, So it's it's good to see some of that finally happening, even though we've really kind of felt like, I don't know, two weeks ago was probably a a more fitting timetable for this to to start happening. Um, But, you know, better late than never.
0: Yeah, it does feel uh, too little, too late. Feels like they should have done this. I don't know, probably, uh, maybe two months ago, something like that. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm being a little bit aggressive by saying two months ago, but at least a month ago, it felt like this this move should have been made. Uh, really interesting note about uh, Zach Kelly, and uh, you know, this comes from the Twitter account of uh, Jake. Igna Zewski, uh who runs the Locked on Red Sox podcast over there. Uh, he said, you know, uh, a, a little bit about um, the journey that Zach Kelly has taken to get here. So 2017, he signed for 500 bucks as an undrafted free agent by the A's. He was released by the A's in 2018, uh, had surgery on his UCL, Tommy John uh, in 2020, 2021 signed by the Red Sox and uh, 2022 you know, making it all the way to the show. So he's had a a hell of a long road. Uh, Pretty cool to see a guy like that stick with it so long and, you know, get rewarded by the game. He signed for $500? $500. Wow. Only the A's would sign someone for $500. That's nuts. Yep. Quite a journey.
1: Yeah, that's incredible.
0: Yeah really is. Got to root for guys like that, absolutely. Very cool story. Um, you know, on on the the other side of things though, uh Caleb Ort not new uh to to us. He's been up here before. Um Caleb Ort probably only promoted because he was already on the 40-man roster. I'm a little bit unsure as to why the Red Sox have been so protective Uh, of these 40-man spots and why they've been so unwilling to churn uh, these guys a little bit more. Caleb Ort, I certainly wasn't impressed by uh, when he came up here uh, last time, and I'm bringing up his numbers right now. Uh, Nine ERA here with the Red Sox over 15 innings pitched. Um, Was not good. I mean, definitely got hit hard. So, I mean, what, what do you expect them to see with Caleb Ort? do you think that this is a legitimate chance for him or do you think that this is just some sort of temporary, uh, roster management going on here?
1: Well, so initially I was annoyed when it happens. Um, but then we want time to digest. I, I, I mean, I still don't really get it, but I guess I get it. Um, so Ort's numbers in AAA are, are way better. Um, I mean, you pointed out the ERA, seven walks and in 15 innings, also not great. Uh, numbers in AAA, they were way better. 288 ERA, uh, 1.1 whip versus a two whip in the, those 15 innings at the major league level. 53 strikeouts uh, in 40.2 innings in AAA as well to only 18 walks in that time frame too. So, the numbers in AAA have been way better. So, um, it feels like... You know, maybe they're hoping for a little bit of a bounce back or more of that kind of performance, bringing him back. Uh, and as you pointed out, he was already on the 40-man roster. So they have an open slot on the 40-man roster for what I'm hoping would be Tristan Cassis. So he could slide right on in there, and then you could still uh, DFA two guys that we're going to talk about in a minute um, and still make room for um frank german and, and edward Pizardo. so you, we could still get all of the guys that we want to see um and get rid of all the guys we don't it's just a really weird kind of like jumbly way to do it rather than just straight up doing it <laughs> so yeah. it just yeah i like i i if you squint you can see how it happens kind of deal um it's just kind of like a weird way of doing it. It's kind of like doing it in like three to four steps rather than just doing it all at once. The, I don't really get the doing it this way. Um, cause I don't get like how, how it helps. Like it's not, there's I don't get the sense in like doing it in stages or like why, what's the sense in like, I mean the, I guess the, the reason why you would do it in stages is because you're waiting for uh, rosters to expand before you add casters to the forty man roster to call him up. But then it's, it's okay. Why are um, why is Brazier still here and Familia? Yeah, like, just pop them out of here. Who cares? Um, why would you open up the forty man roster spot now? Why, like. And then just kind of keep it open for a couple of days. Like, why wouldn't you just DFA the guys you need to DFA now? Call those other bullpen guys up, and then open up the spot when you needed to open up the spot. That just makes more sense to me. I don't really get it. So, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, it's just kind of some weird shenanigans. But I, I think it's it's still gonna work out. The way we hope, although they seem so attached to Brazier, I'm convinced he's never going to go away.
0: Yeah, it's kind of odd uh, that they are, you know, out eliminated from postseason contention for all intents and purposes and that they are still uh, hanging on to to Brazier and Familia. Um, It feels like they're only hanging on to those two guys because they still pitch with Velo. I mean, Familia might not know where it's going, but he throws hard and Brazier you know, same thing. He misses his spots, but he's been cranking it up to 98. And occasionally he throws a nasty slider, which, you know, he shows flashes of looking like a back-end guy. But, you know, the other thing that I was thinking that might have impacted this is, um, you know, they made these moves yesterday on the 28th. On the 27th, Eduardo Bizardo pitched three innings uh, down at AAA. Um, so, you know, he probably wasn't quite ready. Uh, to come up because he's been used in these like three, two, you know, a, a few multi-inning stints like that. Um, so perhaps he wasn't ready. And, and Frank German has been used, uh, in, in some save situations for A Worcester too. So, you know, I agree. I think it would have made sense to do all of these things at the same time. Um, I don't, I don't see the value of Brazier and Familia on a team that is. Uh, not contending right now. I think you got to give these guys the auditions. And then, you know, to to get to this later on, I guess, you know, we'll get to it now because we're already kind of jumping ahead. But rosters are going to expand uh, on the 28th, uh, uh, or to 28, I should say, on September 1st. Um, and, you know, it's logical at that point when you add two roster spots that Casas and Wong uh, would get those two spots if you were going to, you know, audition all the bullpen names now. So uh, it's just a, an odd order to do this. And, and we did get a listener question about this from Patio D. He says, why have the Red Sox been so reluctant to bring up AAA guys over the last month? Isn't it good to have an extended look at guys this time of year so you know what you have for 2023? I'm thinking about Wong on also relievers Kelly in German. Um, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with Patio I think having the ability to see these guys at the major league level for a longer period of time is probably a good thing. But I also do recognize the fact that like, you know, the Red Sox have a lot of eyes on A Worcester. So they're, they're still constantly getting reports from the coaches down there who are working with these guys. And, you know, they're people who are seeing these guys perform every day. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's definitely some element of that to it, but, you know, I don't know. Do you have any other theories as to why they haven't been doing these things sooner? No, none at all, whatsoever. Yep, quite odd. Okay, so with uh, all the bullpen shakeup stuff, Keaton, I wanted to take a look at the bullpen names that we've been talking about and play a little game of whether or not you think they're going to be on the team in 2023. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's start with the easy ones. Whitlock. Yes. Will he be in the pen or the rotation? Uh, Rotation. Okay. I agree. John Schreiber. Yes. Matt Barnes. Yes. I kind of think so, too. Uh, Matt Strom. Will will they re-sign him?
1: Yes. Man, that's a tough one.
0: I'm an easy no on this one. I don't think he resigns. He wants to be a starter. Remember that Brian, weird thing? Right. He does. So. Yeah, you're
1: right. No, they don't. I forgot about that. You're right.
0: Juris Familia. No. I'm a no. Brazier. No. Any chance Kazu Sawamura sneaks through waivers and gets back? No. Absolutely not. I have no idea. So out of all of these guys that they chose to DFA, the fact that they chose Hirakazu Sawamura over Brazier and Familia is kind of befuddling to me. And I know that people are going to say, dude, he can't pitch at home. His, his home splits have been awful. Yes, his home splits have been awful. But the dude throws a 93 to 96 mile an hour splitter, you know, and he's been electric on the road. I was a little surprised that Sawamura was the first one to go. Only because, stuff-wise, he's definitely been my favorite out of that back-end group of, like, crappy relievers. Um, But it's just been so clear all year long that Alex Cora has not trusted him to the same degree that he has Brazier and some of these other guys. Yep. So. Uh, Austin Davis, any chance at a reunion there? No. I'm going to say no as well. Um, and then let's go with the new guys here. Uh, is Bizarro on the team next year? Yes. I'm going to say no. Uh, Frank German. Yes. I'm going to say yes. Zach Kelly. Yes. I'm gonna say yes as well, uh, Caleb Ort. No, I'm gonna say no. Uh, Darwin's and Hernandez.
1: Yeah,
0: well, I think so too. He's a team, lefty with electric stuff.
1: By team, do you mean like on, like in like,
0: the org still?
1: Oh okay, yeah. Yeah. So what? Wait, what did I say for um, Bazzardo?
0: You said yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah. Uh, and Tyler Danish. it will be the last one we end on here, because he's on the forty man, and he's active now. Um. Yes. Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, I think Danish will be back as well. But this is all to say that the major league bullpen is going to look extremely different next year. You know, out of the guys we just mentioned, we were really talking about John Schreiber, uh, Matt Barnes, and maybe Frank German as like locks for this bullpen going into next year. Uh, we didn't mention Tanner Houck, who's clearly going to be involved in some way. I still think he's probably going to be a reliever. Um, but you know, this this unit requires a major overhaul. Uh that that's gonna have to be a priority of Bloom and the Red Sox uh in the offseason. And and it's clear to me that they can't do this all internally. This has to be done, they have to spend some money on it. It's something we've been harping on for a while. It was a glaring weakness at the beginning of the year, and it's really proven to be the Achilles heel of this team uh throughout the entire season. And I think, you know, aside from injuries and underperformance on offense by some other guys. It's right up there with the top reasons why this team has drastically underperformed this year.
1: Why do you think bizardo will not be with the team anymore?
0: Um, I don't know. I just, I'm getting this feeling like there's something about bizardo that they just don't like that much, uh, because of the way that they're using him In this sort of multi-inning role. And the fact that he hasn't come up already. It just feels to me like... Like they like a lot of other guys better. Um, And I'm not quite sure why. He's also one of these guys that's a minor league free agent. So he might try and get a better opportunity elsewhere. Um, It just feels to me like there's something there. That could lead to him seeking a a different opportunity, maybe a more sure path uh, to being a part of a major league bullpen next year.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, some other news here. Trevor Story has returned. Uh, now Christian Arroyo and his scalding hot bat are uh, playing first base. Uh, so Christian Arroyo, so far, so good. Uh, you know, we're only through a, a third of the game or so. Uh, but he made a nice little scoop, little scoop and stretch over there at first base, uh, without, uh, you know, breaking his groin in half again. So, uh, <laughs> so far, so good. I mean, this is it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, Trevor Story, obviously a great second baseman, um, defensively struggled this year offensively to some degree, certainly hasn't hit quite as well as we thought he would. But Christian Arroyo on the other hand, in the second half of the season so far has been really one of the better players on the entire Red Sox team and really one of the better hitters uh, in, in baseball uh, for a while now. I mean, just over the last two weeks, we were going to get to some of the names that are hot, but he's got a one twenty nine WRC plus, you know, Driving in runs, he's just playing great baseball. Um, You know, what do you see as the role for him going forward on this team, especially as he's one of the few guys that's really locked in here? um, You know, for for the future. Yeah, he seems
1: like that utility guy. Um, I mean, his role is. I don't think, in the middle of the infield. So it's has, it's going to have to be somewhere else. Um, but he seems like just a utility guy that'll get a bunch of at-bats at a bunch of different places. Because um, it seemed be determined to get him, you know, get him at-bats in places to play, they're just going to, you know, play him in positions you may not be, you know, super familiar with. Um, but, you know, he's been, you know, uh, up to the task, so far tonight um, in a better way than he was before. So um, unless, God forbid, the worst happens and, you know, if they do need him to play a middle infield position, then it seems like they're comfortable with that potential solution.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it would work if Xander left uh, in the offseason and We don't have to really get into that, but hypothetically, if Xander was to leave and if the Red Sox didn't uh, re-sign him or go after Trey Turner or uh, Carlos Correa or Dansby Swanson or any of the other names that are out there, and theoretically Trevor Story could move over to shortstop if his arm is good enough to do that, would you be comfortable with Christian Royal being the everyday second baseman with what you've seen from him in the second half this year?
1: No. I mean, it's Feels- been nice, but yeah. no.
0: <laughs> why Why are you a no on him, given what we've seen offensively?
1: I don't think that um, this is who he can be over an entire season. Uh, it's been a nice little second half for him um but i'd also want more power out of that position mm-hmm. um and i mean the speed's not really that's not really that big of a deal there, but more power out of the position um the defense is fine but um also more consistency like this is really kind of like a like a scalding second half mm-hmm. that he's been on. Um, and his career numbers have never really been anything like this. This is also the most games he's ever played in the season. So I don't think this is something that's sustainable over an entire 162, or if you gave him you know, 140 games, I don't think this is the Arroyo that you would see.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and you nailed the thing that I was thinking of is just the durability. I mean, that's the reason why the Red Sox weren't super comfortable going into the season with him as the starting second baseman. It's not really, you know, purely an ability thing. It's just he hasn't been able to stay on the field uh, to the extent that he has this year. So, yeah, I I agree. I think I think he's a championship level utility player though you know as a bench player i think that's about as good as you can ask for but i think stretching him into anything else at this point is probably uh not smart for the future so we are in agreement there keaton um but i wanted to look at some of the players uh on the roster uh both on the hitting and pitching side who have been hot over the last uh Couple of weeks here, and uh, you know we'll we'll start with the the hottest player over the last week uh, since he's been called up for the Red Sox. Franchi Cordero has four home runs uh, over the last week here, six games played, fifteen plate appearances. Um, so he's batting three eighty five with four home runs. His slugging percentage is over a thousand uh, since he's been up. That's been very nice. However, he's striking out at forty percent of the time. So it's clear that Franchi's approach hasn't changed all that much, even though he's having success with it. I heard you talking to Bailey about this on the pre-cap podcast, and you guys were envisioning what his role may or may not be for the 2023 season. Have you seen enough progress from Franchi this year um, to say that he could be one of the four bench players for this team next year? Because I don't think that it's a good situation for him to be a starter for this team, whether that be in the outfield, it's certainly not at first base, God forbid at first base. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, what do you think? Do you think he can really handle that role? I mean, tonight he's playing center field. Uh, you know, that's kind of fun because he's he's played 15 games at center field down at Worcester. He can play all three outfield spots, but I just wonder, like, is he a better option there than a guy like Rob Ref Snyder?
1: So yeah, that is interesting because what made me think things could be different for Franchi when he was doing well in the first half of the season was the strikeout rate. He had cut it pretty decent chunk, uh, even though he wasn't hitting homers. And I thought that that had kind of signified that he had changed his approach. It seems like he decided that was boring. And started selling out for power again. And that has led to the massive uptick in strikeouts and correlating in the increase in homers. Um, Which makes sense. That all adds up. Um, However, that's not great for, you know, being able to uh, consistently perform in the major leagues. So um, I was kind of hoping he could just Keep the strikeouts down, but also hit for power. Maybe that's just not his thing. So, um, I mean, I don't really know where he fits. So, I mean, fourth outfield is at best where he fits. Um, But I would also rather, I would say as the team is constructed right now, um, that would be his role going into 2023, which is ultimately what Bailey and I landed on in mm-hmm. the precap there. Um, I would rather see somebody else in that role who's not in the organization. Um, but well, I feel like that's probably not going to be the case. Probably won't. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't seem like a priority for the, they have enough priorities. Um, for starters and everyday players that they need to fill, that it doesn't seem like um, an active role they would go out and search for when they have Franchi as somebody that they can toss in there. Um, So it feels like that's probably ultimately what will happen there. But um, we'll probably just end up seeing a bunch of hot streaks like this where um, he'll go on a run of striking out a bunch and hitting some homers. Um, or if he can relax enough, um, you know, just put the ball in play enough and get on a base and just do enough to turn the lineup over sometimes.
0: Yeah, for me, I think it comes down to whether or not you prefer Franchi or Rob Ref Snyder uh, next year, especially if what, you know, you alluded to happens if they focus more on the starting. Players And, you know, they do have some options for fourth outfielder here under team control. It's going to be Rob Refsnyder's first RB uh or second RB next year. But he's not going to command like a huge amount of money. So he's definitely going to be a cheap option as well. I've kind of loved Rob Refsnyder in that role as fourth outfielder um, and pinch hitter, um, which he's delivered some really clutch professional at bats in, in pinch hit situations, 147 WRC plus on the season over 127 plate appearances. Um, he's kind of the ideal bench guy for me. Like if, if you have a bench next year, that's ref Snyder or Royo, um Reese McGuire or Connor Wong uh, and, and, You know, one other guy who, you know, maybe we're not thinking of or maybe isn't on the team right now. Um, I think you're in really good shape from that perspective. I, You know, I don't think Bobby Dahlbeck is necessarily the ideal guy for that role, but um, I think you're in really good shape at that point.
1: I think I prefer Franchi.
0: So is it just like... The power that you prefer from Franchi or is it, do you, do you think that he's ultimately like the better outfielder as well?
1: Um, yeah, both. I also like, this is the best season that ref Snyder has ever had by, by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think, again, this is something that you could consistently expect, Even especially I feel like in a fourth outfield role mm-hmm. um, where he's not getting consistent at-bats. I don't think you could count on him to kind of come out um, or come in cold. Um, I think he probably would give you the better at-bat. Um, I don't think that's actually – I don't think that's a question at all. center probably would give you the better at-bat. Right. If you're looking for just one pinch hit, at bat late in the game, he would probably be your guy. But if you're, um, if you're looking for a fourth outfielder to like get starts and like full at bats, uh, in a game every now and then, um, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, uh, I think I'd rather go Franchi.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, All right, let's look at conversely on the other side of things. We talked about a couple guys who have been hot over the last two weeks in Franchi, uh, Rob Refsnyder, um, Christian Arroyo as well. But conversely on the, the side of guys who have been very, very cold over the last two weeks, would you have a guess without looking who has been the coldest hitter on the Red Sox over the last two weeks? Who is the clubhouse leader in worst WRC plus over the last two weeks. Rafael Devers. It is Rafael Devers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he has been a nightmare at the plate. 27 WRC plus over the last two weeks. Um, you know, he's not striking out a ton, still 18% K rate, but his swing just has not been quite right. Uh, he's, he's actually had a pretty brutal August as well uh, over the whole month, but you know, a little bit surprising there. What do you think's going on with Rafi?
1: No idea. Um, I mean, watching him, it doesn't look like he's having bad at bats. He's just kind of having bad results,
0: and um, I don't really get it. it I think it seems it's, like it's maybe health. it's piling up. I think it's health, man. I think it's it's been since that that little uh, hammy tweak that he had. You know, he it seems like. He just doesn't have maybe his legs under him fully or something. I don't know. Seems like something might be mechanically off. You know how we read that Xander article last week and he was talking about how when he got injured, like things started to slightly tweak in his swing. I kind of feel like that might be going on with Devers right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, that certainly would explain it.
0: Yeah. Um, the other guy who's super super duper cold right now uh, was was just sent down uh, to the minor leagues. Jaron Duran, uh, fifty one WRC plus. I think we have to talk about the Jaron Duran situation here, uh, Keaton. He has been um, you know your guy for a, a long time, and Jaron Duran oozes potential. He's probably one of the fastest guys in the major leagues, but clearly a lot to work on on the offensive side and the defensive side, especially with his reads and, you know, some of his effort and stuff. Uh, This feels like a crossroads for him right now in his career. What do you ultimately think happens with Jaron Duran as we look towards next season in 2023? Well, yeah, I mean...
1: I think he needs to find a way to get consistent at bats to major leagues, but at the same time, like he needs to be able to provide serviceable, de- serviceable defense to justify getting the at bats. So, um, he needs to figure that out. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is, um, being able to get the defense right. And I, 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 it feels like Maybe that's not gonna happen with the Red Sox because I don't think um I don't think there's a place for him to get consistent at bats with the Red Sox, but also um, just the magnifying glass that's on him on him and his defense. Um I don't think Fenway Park is the place for him to figure it out. And that is the most difficult. Outfield in the majors to figure out. So it's a guy who's trying to, uh, basically, cement his fundamentals in the outfield. Uh, Fenway Park is not a place to do it. Um, and then being under, you know, being under the microscope of all of Red Sox Nation on every read you're making um, doesn't help a young player. Uh, so I think he would be a fantastic trade trip to go somewhere else where people aren't paying as much attention and then he'll have plenty of time to figure it out and all the at he needs to reach his potential
0: yeah i think uh he he and cutter crawford feel like an oakland athletic to me there you go <laughs> we'll see what happens in the offseason maybe they can be part of a package to get us a real catcher Um, let's move over to the pitching side here. Not a ton of surprising things going on on the pitching side of things over the last two weeks, but I think the, uh, biggest development to me is Matt Barnes, uh, starting to look a little bit more like himself, like good Matt Barnes, uh, over the last couple weeks, he's got a 21.4% hard hit rate, which is very, very low. Uh, And, you know, over the the course of that time period, he's also got a 1.50 ERA uh, over six innings pitched. He's got a save sprinkled in there. Um, He's been pretty good. And if you dial into the numbers a little bit more, you know, the FIP is 1.46, XFIP 2.68. So any way you cut it, he's pitched pretty good. And I think one of the Better things that we've noticed about Matt Barnes, too, is the velocity on the fastball has been back. He's been averaging 95 miles an hour on that uh, over the last two weeks. So, you know, how convinced are you that Matt Barnes can be a usable piece moving forward? We both think he's going to be part of this pen next year.
1: Yeah, um, I think he would be great um, as a bridge guy again. I don't know if I'm back to trusting him in a in a higher leverage role, but um, I mean, we've seen him be really good. It's just a matter of him getting healthy and kind of getting back to that, but this is really great progress. And if he's able to finish the season and be this consistent over a more extended period of time, so I think I'm going to start to buy back into that um, and really start to um, – Know buy more into the, the belief that it was all just all of that over usage and um, something that we consistently see with Cora and his bullpen arms and um, hope that basically taking the last year <laughs> to to get right uh, and coming into uh, 2023 healthy and hopefully with uh, a completely rebuilt bullpen uh, they can avoid that and having some set defined roles. Um, will also help that and, and keep that uh, well I mean we we'll won't really know until we kind of get there but it'll at least potentially help um, help that from not happening again but um, I would feel a lot better if he's able to just con- to continue this through to the end of the season and um, about him being here again for next year and, and he would probably work, my, work his way back into the the bullpen circle of trust with me.
0: Well, if uh if Matt Barnes returns to relevance, I have a feeling that Matt Collins is gonna pop up again and start talking to us about how great Matt Barnes is, so I don't want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it'd be deserved. It would be deserved. It would be deserved. I know that Matt's not listening to this podcast, but I wish if if he was, he would uh would hear the the Matt Barnes burn, but unfortunately he's checked out. Um, but the off chance, hello Matt. Um, all right, so let's move on from from all this stuff to get to our listener questions. Uh, Patio D had a second one, um, which I thought was a really interesting question. He says, "Is there anyone else on Worcester that you could see having a major role in twenty twenty three, other than maybe Casas?" Um. And so I was perusing the roster over there, and uh, there were a couple of names that stood out to me, but I wanted to give you the, the first chance to uh, to name a guy who you think could have a key role on this team next year. What, what do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, I found a few. Um, I guess it depends on what you mean by major or key. What was the wording in the question?
0: I, th- I think he said, like, uh, what was it? Let me take a look. Uh, major role. So yeah. when, I, when I think major role, I think, like, uh, a member of the 26-man roster who who is part of that group for, you know, a good chunk of the season.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, I feel like, I mean, Downs and Duran were two. Mm-hmm. um Sebold and Winkowski were also two uh and then the bullpen names that we talked about as well so I think there's a pretty decent amount of guys that I mean to fit your criteria of like spending a majority of the season on the 26 man roster um and then also uh Connor Wong as well but I feel like the two that'll have the most significant would be Wong and Casas.
0: Yeah, I think Wong is definitely the guy who stuck out to me uh, the yeah. most aside from Casas. But then again, you know, I, I'm actually writing about this right now. I'm just about done with my first uh, offseason article that's going to be coming out. I'm going to be having a series where I preview kind of every position and look at what the team has. Internally, uh, what options there are externally. I'm not sure what the Red Sox are going to do at catcher. And we talked about this briefly last time. Um, if they really wanted to go cheap, they could potentially you know, let Puecki go um, and go with a, a, a tandem of Connor Wong um, and, and Reese McGuire there. But it feels to me like that would be really risky because – You're essentially leaving yourself with no catcher depth after that, and catchers do get hurt. Um, So I think that they are going to like Connor Wong to be, you know, the guy who's starting the year as the catcher at AAA, unless, of course, they move Reese McGuire or something like that in a a trade. But it feels like he's going to be sort of the emergency guy, not necessarily uh, the backup right away. It it feels to me very much like the guy who's gonna be the starting catcher is not yet on this team. Um and that Reese McGuire is gonna be the backup. Is is that kind of the way that you're leaning as well, or you know, do you feel like this tandem of Wong of and um and and McGuire would be serviceable for next year?
1: I think it could be serviceable depending on what the rest of the lineup looks like. Um but I think there would need to be a lot of other stuff filled in for that to be the case. Um, but, yeah, I right now I'm with you leaning that uh, I believe the starting catcher is not currently in the organization.
0: Yeah. And on, on the pitching side of things, I would definitely say I think German is going to be part of uh, the 26 man for a good chunk of next year. I would say Brian Mata definitely has a really good shot uh, of being part of the team for a significant portion of time. And uh, one other guy we didn't really talk about uh, when we mentioned pitchers is is lefty Chris Murphy. Um, you know he's he's currently pitching out of the rotation there, but Chris Murphy's a guy who I could see getting um, some time in the major league bullpen. Next year as a lefty, um, especially because, you know, when we looked at the bullpen right around the all star break, it looked like we were going to have, you know, four four lefties in the bullpen, potentially, I remember talking about the surplus of lefties um, that that could be had over there. Um, and that just really hasn't come to fruition. Um, because of injuries and underperformance and all sorts of other things. Um, so I could see Chris Murphy kind of emerging in that role as a lefty out of the bullpen next year. Yeah, that makes sense. He's got really good stuff. So we've heard that before. (laughs) Yes. Um, next question comes from TJ McPhee and he says, should Bayo start next season in this rotation? Is number three starter too aggressive or is Whitlock the number three?
1: Uh, I don't think three is too aggressive. Um, I'd be fine with them starting in the rotation.
0: Yeah, I would too. Um, you know, looking at it right now, uh, just for guys who are under contract next year, it would be Sale. Would be your one. Uh, your two would probably be. <sighs> I mean, your two Whitlock. might be Whitlock, right? Yeah. And then Bale, your three. Uh, and Pavetta, your four. Or no, I guess it would be Crawford would be your four, right? And Pavetta would be your five. Yeah. If if the season started today, that would probably be it. But, you know, we're seeing it from Bale. He shoved last time he was out. He is pitching awesome right now as we're recording this podcast. The guy has just crazy movement on that two seam. Um and the changeup is such a weapon. So I, I think three is I think he could he it's aggressive for him next year if he's the three. Like I think you'd prefer him to be a really good four or five next year. But like I think long-term, he could settle in as a very high-end three or even a two-starter. Yep. I'd agree. Very excited about Baio. Um I don't know if you saw this, Keaton, but he broke um, Gio Urshela's bat um, with a sinker. And it just like... It shattered. All he was doing was holding this little nubbin of a handle, and he was—he looked very shocked that it had happened. <laughs> so, you know, Bayo has bat-busting stuff. It's pretty good. Our next two questions uh, to end the night come from House of Kuzu, and he says, Are you ready to see Xander as the Dodger shortstop next season? Turner will be a lot more expensive than Xander... Uh, and Xander will be cheaper and he's still a great player and can move to third base when Turner is done playing it.
1: Watching Mookie and Xander together winning like 110 games, um, I don't think my heart can take it. Like not for the Red Sox, I don't think my heart can take it. Must yeah, be much.
0: Feels like cruel and unusual punishment uh, to to do that to us, so... I'm not ready for that. I don't think actually the analytical Dodgers would really be super into paying Xander to be a shortstop. Um, Doesn't feel like it's something they would do. Not necessarily that they wouldn't pay Xander to be on that team, but it doesn't seem like the cleanest fit out of all the places he could go.
1: The Cubs are apparently uh, all in on him. (sighs)
0: Yeah. That That's does fun. seem like a pretty clean fit. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I guess the only plus side to that, Keaton, is you'll be nice and close so you can uh yep. you can go check in on our boy.
1: Short little walk away.
0: But uh yeah man. Uh watching Mookie just absolutely tear it up with the Dodgers is, is enough for me. So yeah. yeah. Not not really ready to uh, watch Xander do the same. Uh, and his next question says, has Bloom done enough to get fired, clearly lost the Mookie trade, insulting core players with extension offers, meh offseason acquisitions, and back-to-back horrible trade deadlines? So here's the thing.
1: We as fans can be really annoyed with that, and I think we are. I think there's a lot of people who are pretty annoyed with all that stuff. However, ownership is not annoyed by any of that at all. Uh, The Mookie trade was like a prerequisite for taking the job. Whoever it was who was coming in, like Dombrowski was fired because he was trying to extend Mookie and they didn't want him to. And then so whoever was coming in was going to have to trade Mookie and whoever was coming in was automatically losing that trade. There was just no way that trade was going to be a win for the Red Sox. Ownership was completely fine with that because they wanted it to happen. Uh, insulting core players with extension offers that are like low balls at the start here. Uh, Again, ownership doesn't really want to spend money, so they're totally fine with those. It's really frustrating for us as fans watching our favorite players who have been here forever, key parts of this team for 5, 10 years, uh, get insulted. Ownership doesn't care. The off offseason acquisitions, again, that kind of goes back to not wanting to spend money and also sort of tied in with the horrible trade deadlines. Ownership does not care. They're very happy with his performance. So no, he's not going to get fired.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, so before we got onto the show, it broke that um, Sam Kennedy came out and basically said that uh, both Cora and Bloom are safe for this upcoming offseason. I don't, I don't think that Bloom has done enough to get fired and you know I've I've not shied away from being critical of Bloom when I thought that he's done a bad job and I agree with uh, the extension offers being bad I don't think he did terrible in the Mookie trade cuz I think that Verdugo is a very good player um The offseason, I've been highly critical of. I agree there. It was a very bad offseason. But I actually don't think that this particular trade deadline was that bad. I think three of the deals were pretty good. I think they were just moves that ought to have been made in the offseason, which makes them feel worse than they are. Um, I think this is the make or break season for Heimblum. If things do not go well in 2023... He's very much on the hot seat. And I think that he will be the person to go before Cora if 2023 goes very badly. And it wouldn't shock me if both went, but I think that it's going to be Bloom to go if it doesn't go well in 2023. Yeah.
1: There's also some built-in excuses too, like you've outlined on previous pods, like COVID happened, which kind of wrecked the 2020 season, like losing Eduardo Rodriguez for the entire season. Then there was also like, the injuries to Chris Sale, which helped derail that season as well. And kind of this season as well. <laughs> uh, and then the lockout this offseason, which um, don't know to the extent that it messed with their offseason plans, but they certainly affected them in some form or fashion. So all of that stuff is gone now. And all of this financial flexibility that they've been playing for for years like there there should be so much pressure on this offseason to deliver a team that should be like top 3 in the American League that if that doesn't happen then this is a just one of the biggest failures in Red Sox
0: franchise history big big words there Biggest failures in Red Sox franchise history. Yeah. um, It would certainly be uh, squandering years of a pretty good core here. Um, Yeah. And all the others like that
1: not spending money having the really poor off seasons and not doing much at the trade deadlines. It's also kind of like built to this off season in that they've retained all of this capital to have just all of whatever gobs of millions of dollars to spend this off season. So if they don't spend it this off season and actually make some things happen, then it's like, okay, what was all of, what was the last three years for then? Yeah. So he, I like, it's been frustrating as a fan, but he hasn't done enough to get fired. And it as frustrating as it has been, I don't think he's actually had a true offseason to um, basically show what he can do as a general manager. As much as I disagree with the, like, with the not spending and, like, you're the Boston Red Sox, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like, all that excuse is gone now. All of that is gone.
0: Yeah. There are no excuses anymore.
1: Yeah. There are. There's not a single excuse, like... All of the people who claim that the financials are the reason that whatever bullshit has happened, that's gone. Financials are not a problem. So if they don't put the team on the field that they claim they want to put, that they've been claiming for the past three years, that they've wanted to put on the field, if that isn't the team that is on the field, that is a massive failure
0: amen all right well that feels like a good place to end the pod tonight um, Keaton thank you for joining me listeners thank you for listening to this episode uh, if you would like to uh, rate and review us we would appreciate that go on to uh, iTunes give us a five-star review uh, we haven't gotten any reviews in a little while and uh, we had you know a couple that were a little bit mixed in the in the previous years so uh if you could uh you know give us a good review that would definitely help us out um and uh you know follow us on twitter you can follow keaton at the spoken keats you can follow me at at dev jake and you can follow the over the monster account at over the monster and we'll be back in your ears next week